Hello, welcome to 365 Dates of Travel with Fran. I'm Fran. Welcome to my podcast. Today is a reading show and I'll be reading stories from the December chapter. The first story is from the 5th of December, which I discussed a bit last week. It's a day where I spent on the train traveling from Cologne or Cologne to Dresden. The 5th of December, 2018, Dresden, Germany. A relaxing day on the train today. It would be the longest single train journey of the trip. Seven and a half hours without changing trains. We departed Cologne at 9.12am and arrived in Dresden at 4.36pm. Plenty of time to sit back, relax and view German villages roll by. I found myself falling asleep though. This is a new skill for me, falling asleep on transport, so it is not always welcome. I had my shoes off, feet curled up, pillow out, so I slept away most of the morning. But I had the afternoon to watch Germany go by. Such a relaxing holiday. In the afternoon, I realised I was facing forward, as in the direction the train was travelling. But I swear I was facing backwards when departed. We must have pulled into a station, changed engines, and then left our track in a different direction. Amazing what happens when you're napping. Somehow it happened again, and I had returned to going backwards. I must not have been paying attention when we stopped. I neglected to get food and snacks prior to the train, but could order food from my seat. I was embarrassed about not being able to speak German, especially if everyone in the carriage could hear me. So when the attendant came around for food requests, I said nothing. I found her later when by herself and put in an order pointing at pictures on the menu card for a cheese sandwich meal that included a pretzel and hot chocolate for €6.90. Once at Dresden, I navigated my way to the correct station exit, reasonably quickly, as I had been through this station before. This allowed me to find the tram. I got on the right tram, bought a ticket, and left at the correct stop. However, I accidentally bought a student ticket and failed to stamp it in the machine, so I did not pay, but not on purpose. I had a block to walk from the tram stop along a cobblestoned path to the hotel. You heard me, well, my bag, coming as I rolled along. They nicknamed this street the Christmas Mile at this time of year. The hotel faces onto a Christmas market, an excellent location for my well-researched Christmas-themed trip. I spent the next few hours strolling around the historical streets of Dresden and four Christmas markets. The Streisel Markt, outside the hotel's front door, had a six-storied Christmas pyramid which greeted me as I exited the hotel. It is the oldest market in Germany, being in its 584th year at my visit. A short walk away, giant starlights twinkled in the trees near the church. Every street you pass contained decorations and lights. It was magical wandering around, taking it all in. It's like you have stumbled into a fairy tale land. Christmas music is playing, children are laughing and squealing in delight, and sounds of merriment are heard at every turn. I was uncertain if I'd have time to make it to the furthermost market from my hotel, but pleased I did. Augustus Markt dazzled with its all-white tents and blue dancing lights. 
the lights imitated snow falling. I welcomed the warmth from open fires, found a place to sit, and drank in the atmosphere. I did not want to leave. This was my favourite market of the night. The 21st of December is the day where I'm leaving London to fly to Israel and I get a bit of a nasty shock after I have checked in and already have my boarding pass. I have a tough decision to make and it wasn't easy. The 21st of December 1996, flight to Israel. I caught the Gatwick Express to Gatwick Airport and checked in. Before further formalities, I visited the ATM to attain the bulk of my spending money from my Danish bank account. I had some English sterling cash and some leftover US dollars cash, but I'd planned to take out the rest of my budget while filling in time at the airport. My debit visa card would not work. The screen kept displaying wrong pin. I rang my share house and asked one of my housemates to go through my purse and find my pin number. My housemate now knew my PIN number, but I was desperate at this point. The number he read out was the number I'd been entering. So it wasn't the wrong PIN, like the machine kept saying. Being a Saturday, no one answered when I rang the bank in Denmark. I tried a currency exchange shop. Alas, they needed the PIN as well. I didn't know what to do. Tears were flowing. I thought about not getting on the plane. I did not have enough money to cover my expenses on the trip. Nothing was prepaid, and I designated this trip as my first non-budget trip. I'd been wanting to visit Israel and Egypt ever since learning about ancient history in Year 7. I wanted to do everything and enjoy myself thoroughly. In the end, it became one of my tightest budgets. £20 a day for everything. Food accommodation, travel, tours, entrance fees, and a souvenir or two. I boarded the plane and hoped my card would work in Israel. On arriving in Tel Aviv, I joined a group of eight to share a taxi to the bus station. We arrived late in the evening, but no one was looking for a bed for the night. Everyone was content to stay up and wait for our morning buses. The bus station had closed for the day, So we sat outside together, overnight, and waited. The 28th of December is the day where I wake up on the top of Mount Sinai after sleeping the night at the summit, where I curled up in the middle of eight Americans to stay warm. In the morning, we walk down and go to St. Catherine's Monastery, and then I head to Cairo. The 28th of December, 1996, St. Catherine's Monastery, Egypt. We eventually settled into sleep, then woken by the hordes of tourists arriving to see the sunrise. We quickly packed and stashed our things in the Singaporeans' cave and jostled for a viewing position. Alas, the newcomers had overrun the best spots. We all agreed that we deserved it more than them after sleeping on the summit. It was not a breathtaking sunrise, but what an extraordinary experience. We hung out in the Singaporeans' cave, sharing a potluck picnic breakfast while waiting for the intruders to give us back our mountain. Everyone went their own way, but 
but I stayed with the Americans. It took us an hour and a half to climb down. Easier and quicker than climbing up. One of the army guys had an uncle who was a monk at St. Catherine's Monastery, and he invited us to join him in saying hello. They welcomed us with open arms. Despite being a dishevelled group after a night on the mountain, my diary noted my hair felt like straw. While we drank tea in the elegant library, we met a few of the monks. I relished the special treatment. We received a guided tour of the 6th century basilica, the belfry, the burning bush, where God appeared to Moses, and parts of the inner sanctum not normally open to members of the public, like the library, which contained 3,000 manuscripts and 5,000 books, where we drank tea. They treated us like family. The two students and I had to leave before the tour finished to catch our bus to Cairo. It disappointed me to not make the most of the VIP treatment, but Cairo beckoned. The bus was old and filthy. I've used those exact words to describe Cairo in my diary. But the entry begins with, Cairo is a nightmare. My first encounter with a taxi in Cairo, as with the others since, was not pleasant. I no longer recall the finer details of this meeting, but it involved an increase in price from the agreed amount to the actual payment. I know I kept my luggage in the taxi's back seat with me on my next Cairo visit, so wondering if my bags were being held hostage in the car boot until I paid an additional ransom. A dirty tactic. Welcome to Cairo. A well-known traveller's law was how in Cairo you could buy a student discount card without being a student. This was my first stop, given my financial situation. I handed over my pre-organised passport photo, paid a deposit, and I could pick it up tomorrow. While arranging the student card, I met a man called Muhammad, who introduced himself as a tour guide working at the Sun Hotel, a well-known backpacker's. He offered me a place on his tour in the morning if I wanted to join. It would cost five Egyptian pounds, which is less than one English pound. He gave me the time and place for pickup. I said I'd be there. I'd planned on doing a day tour to get more done, but I was expecting to pay 15 Egyptian pounds, so why not get it cheaper? Tomorrow was sorted. I'd borrowed a pair of socks on Mount Sinai to warm my feet overnight. I realised once at the hostel... I'd forgotten to return them. A souvenir of the night. My sock drawer contains a strange pair of hiking socks I can't imagine buying. Maybe they are the Mount Sinai socks. Today came under budget at £18. I hope you enjoyed the tales of my 2018 Christmas market trip as well as my 1996 Israel and Egypt journey. Next week, I'll be discussing the January chapter. Well, that's this week's podcast. Thank you for spending time with me today. I hope I made you smile or laugh. Don't forget to check out my website for more details about myself and the book, 365 Dates of Travel, The First Six Months, and various ways to follow me should you wish at franheapwriter.com.